Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. On the Mojo 5.0 radio network and streaming on demand on iTunes, YouTube, Twitter, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. Or shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Prefer to leave a voicemail. That number is 772-245-0750. That number is 772-245-0750. Thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Well, have you seen how the mainstream media, that is the fake news media, has been slobbering? over this Justin Amosh, a nominally Republican member of Congress from Western Michigan. He, uh, he is also considering a run for the presidency and is trying to burnish his reputation as a, 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 a never-Trumper. He is, in fact, a never-Republican. He has uh, been in the House for six years now. He has sponsored no legislation, speaks up very little, and at every opportunity, votes against the Republican caucus and with the Democrats. But you would never know that to listen to the coverage in the fake news media where they are just falling all over themselves to heap praise onto Justin Amash, declaring that he is courageous and, and um, you know, a thoughtful Republican. Justin Amash, along with Mitt Romney, have basically filled the gap that was left by the death of John McCain, and that is one of these conservative Republicans who always manages to get himself on a Sunday news show by criticizing fellow Republicans, and especially Donald Trump, because the media just loves that it gives them some sort of patina of legitimacy with their ridiculous uh, anti-Trump anti-America first agenda and Justin Amash you will now begin to see invited on to um, this week with George Stephanopoulos and and all the other Sunday news shows and he'll be praised to the heavens on CNN and MSNBC and of course all the late night comedians will use Justin Amash to validate their ridiculous uh, never Trump agenda. And it's already started, of course. Colbert was on his show last night um, pretending that Justin Amash was the the voice of reason in the Republican Party. 
We have been waiting with bated breath, and it's finally happened. The thing we've all been waiting for. A Republican finally read the Mueller report. <laughs> the reader in question is Michigan congressman and guy you're pretty sure you went to high school with. <laughs> Justin Amash. This weekend, Amash read the redacted Mueller report and became the first Republican to say Trump engaged in impeachable conduct. Yeah. So... Yay! Well. Yay! The leftists and the how do they screen these people? I guess you wouldn't go there if you if you uh, weren't ready to uh, swallow a whole bunch of BS. But uh, conservatives are to start crashing these shows. They of course have to disguise themselves as leftists and start uh, catcalling. I guess they would just pause the the recording and and toss them out before they continued on. You never hear anybody boo or object in these audiences with Colbert or Fallon or uh, little Jimmy Kimmel. And, of course, uh, Bill Maher's program is just, I think, I think they actually have a laugh track. They probably all have laugh tracks and, and applause tracks. They have to um, encourage their dementia among the, uh, the leftist Democrats. But the New York Times and the Washington Post and all of the other fake news outlets, you know, they're they're giving advice on Justin Amash on how he can push this even further and how he can survive any criticisms from the Republicans. And as I said, Justin Amash is uh, contemplating a run for presidency on the libertarian ticket. I think he knows that he uh, is not going to be reelected because he's been exposed even before his condemnation or his call for impeachment of Donald Trump as, uh, as not actually being a Republican. Not, you know, I, I don't have a problem if you vote against the leadership. There are many times in the House of Representatives uh, where voting against the Republican leadership may be called for. That's not what Justin Amash is doing. Justin Amash is, uh, is actually siding with the Democrats. He ought to just go ahead and caucus with them. And he got away with it for a couple of terms, but his last election, he barely squeaked by because of his, uh, his attempts to triangulate. And now, as a result of his calls for impeachment of the president, he has indeed got a uh, primary challenger. His name is Jim Lower. Who was uh, he's a state representative. He was going to challenge uh, Amash anyway, but he went ahead and announced on the heels of Amash's ridiculous tweets. I love how they claim that uh, nobody else has read the Mueller report. I've read it. It's a bunch of uh, smears and innuendos. It's like trying to nail jello to a wall. There's nothing there. There's no there there. You know who else hasn't read the Mueller report? The Democrats. As a matter of fact, they've been offered uh, almost completely unredacted version of the report, and they refuse to take the elevator down to the basement of the U.S. House and read it. They don't want to concern themselves with facts. This is not about facts. This is about political theater. This is about using the House of Representatives as a campaign vehicle in order to try to defeat Donald Trump in 2020. They don't dare, by the way, start these impeachment proceedings because they know the American people would recoil at that. 
but their left-wing base is pushing Nancy, old Nancy Pelosi, as hard as they can to open these impeachment proceedings to satisfy their radical base. And I just wish they would. Let's get this party started. What are you waiting for? If you really believe all of this BS that you're spouting on TV, and Jerry Nadler's on there again this morning, talking to an empty chair where they subpoenaed the White House counsel, knowing that that would result in him refusing to come forward because that would be compromising executive privilege and executive branch prerogatives to make the administration subject to subpoena of the House of Representatives. They are no such thing. But, um, you know, it's come out. Uh, well, I want to play you this clip here uh, first before we go on. This is uh, Jim Lower, the guy who has announced to challenge Amash. He's appearing on uh, one of the Fox News programs, answering why, in fact, he has decided to jump in the race and announce his candidacy now. We considered running previous to that, but after those comments, we decided to ramp up our campaign and, and announce right away and get in because I support the president. I support President Trump. And if you look at things like border security and a whole host of other issues, the congressman's been voting against those and not working with the president or other members of Congress. And if I were there, I would have done that. So I wanted the district to know that there is a strong Republican, conservative, pro-Trump uh, alternative out there, and, and I will be running in the fall. So... Justin Amash was asked about your running against him, and, and he responded in this way. Sort of hard to hear, but there, the words are on the screen as well. Here's Justin Amash. How do you feel having a primary opponent now announced against you running after your, after your tweets about the impeachment? Yeah, it's not serious. So you feel like you're safe for two more years after this? I feel very confident in my district. So he was asked how he feels. I wonder why he feels safe in his district when he barely squeaked by before he made these calls to impeach the president of his own party. The fact of the matter is Justin Amash, as far as uh, his seat in the House of Representatives, has committed political suicide now. He is never going to get through a Republican primary after betraying his own party. And, And if this was based on principle, that might not be the case. But this was not based on principle. This is not a principled stand. It's a joke. He's saying that because the president considered firing Robert Mueller, didn't actually go through with it, but considered it, had perfectly uh, entitled to fire him if he wanted to under the uh, Constitution, but he never even did that. He's basically saying because he considered firing Robert Mueller that he is now impeachable. That's that's bull, bogus, and he knows it. He's just trying to um, to posture so that he can get attention from the left wing media in order to support his upcoming libertarian presidential campaign. Back to this clip it's about your announced running against him, and he responded, <laughs> "It's not serious." It just shows how out of touch he is with the district. I mean, when, when we announced, and even in the lead-up to it, just a tremendous outpouring of support, people going to votelower.com and, and donating in mass uh, yesterday, all day yesterday. We've taken in thousands and thousands of dollars from not only people in the district, but all throughout the state of Michigan and the country. So, And I did a variety of meetings in the district. People, people support the president. They support President Trump. They know that I do. And they, they know that if they send me to Washington, I'm going to work with him and not against him every step of the way. And 
why do they support the president? Because his agenda has been good for our area. We've got one of the number one job markets. We've got one of the number one housing markets in West Michigan. This is a great area to live, and it's because of the policies that the president's been trying to implement. Yeah, and, and- no, this is not a principled stand on behalf of Justin Amash. This is a cynical grandstanding attempt in order to get attention and get on these Sunday news shows to raise his profile for his libertarian presidential run because he has a dead end in his house career because he's decided to throw in with the never Trumpers. Not, not just now, but before this ever occurred. So when you read these articles and see these, uh, these, this television coverage declaring that Justin Amash is some sort of courageous principled leader, you'll know that's just spin on behalf of the mainstream media that what this guy is, is he's another iteration of this conservative type of Republican that we've seen again and again that John McCain really um, pioneered. Kevin McCartney, um, Kevin McCarthy, the leader, the minority leader uh, for the Republicans in the House of Representatives, had this to say about Justin Amash. Well, apparently, those who know Justin Amash, this is exactly what he wants. He wants to have attention. Now, you've got to understand Justin Amash. He's been in Congress quite some time. I think he's only ever asked one question in all the committees that he's been in. He votes more with Nancy Pelosi than he ever votes with me. It's a question whether he's even in our Republican conference as a whole. What he wants is attention in this process. He's not a criminal attorney. He's never met Mueller. He's never met Barr. And now he's coming forward with this because this is what he wants. He wants a Sunday show to put his name forward with a question. It's really disturbing because when you watch on the floor, you could have a bill with 400 votes all supporting it. There'll always be one opposed, and that'll be Justin Amash. Well, it's also speculated that he wants to run against President Trump in the 2020 election as a libertarian. That is the most excellent Maria Bartiromo asking the questions here. Has he said that to you? I know he said it on some show before. Uh, he had a very hard time winning in the last election, so I wonder, uh, maybe he wants some type of exit strategy. But uh, it's very disturbing. This is exactly what you would expect from Justin. He never supported the president, and I think he's just looking for attention. He's just another never-Trumper, and this whole idea that they're putting forward, that he has somehow broken with his party and, and, uh, and called for the impeachment of the president is laughable. But you'll never read that in the Washington Post or the New York Times, both of which papers are advising him on how to carry this, uh, this war against the president into the next level. And, of course, old Mitt Romney, the, the leader of the conservative caucus in the Congress of the United States, he jumped to support Justin Amash because he never misses an opportunity to exercise the McCain strategy of selling out his, his own party in order to get um, attention from the far-left fake news media. As well, but this is the first time you've appeared on... This is Jake Tapper. Uh, he'll give his, uh, his opening statement designed as a question, designed to further the, uh, the, the, the lunatic fever swamp theory, uh, conspiracy theories over there of Jeff Zucker. But just listen to, uh, to Tapper's uh, setting this up and how Romney just goes along. 
as well. But this is the first time you've appeared on a Sunday show since the Mueller report was released. And you said at the time in a statement, quote, I am sickened at the extent and pervasiveness of dishonesty and misdirection by individuals in the highest office of the land, including the president. I am also appalled that, among other things, fellow citizens working in a campaign for president welcome to help from Russia. You and Congressman Amash are the only two elected Republicans, I think, to express any misgivings about the behavior of the president or his campaign team. Uh, well, let me just stop right there. The, those previous statements on the Sunday news shows that uh, that Mitt Romney jumped to betray the president after the president had endorsed his election stupidly for the Senate in uh, Utah, and, and the people of Utah are deserving of all the scorn you can heap upon them for electing this conservative sellout. But um, Romney back then had mischaracterized this and said that he was appalled, appalled that the campaign was willing to accept um, help from the Russians. So they took a meeting with this Valenet guy off. It was an entrapment um, episode by Fusion GPS. They never point that out. But he never, you'll notice, Mitt Romney or Justin Amash either, point out the fact that Hillary Clinton was in fact using disinformation supplied by the Russian intelligence agencies in order to try to take down the Trump campaign. So you have one group that uh, agrees to take a meeting to listen to negative uh, information, and you have another group that's actually paying for a foreign agent, Christopher Steele, to use his ties in the Russian intelligence agencies to forward disinformation. And who do they choose to go after? <laughs> Donald Trump. It's absolutely ridiculous. Back to this clip and, uh, and what Romney has to say when he starts his moral preening. This guy would have you believe that he is some sort of uh, paragon of virtue. The same guy that made his fortune by stealing people's retirement funds and pensions stripping them of health care, liquidating their jobs and shipping them overseas. This is the guy that wants you to believe that he is somehow some paragon of virtue. He is one of the pioneers of the vulture capitalist practices you saw in the 80s and 90s that basically stole the wealth of working people in, in hundreds of companies divested their jobs, stole the retirement funds, stripped them of health care, and then wants you to believe that he is some sort of moral arbiter. The president or his campaign team, uh, based on the Mueller report, are, first of all, are you surprised that you two are the only ones that have really said anything uh, condemning of the president's behavior as laid out? Well, I think every individual has to make their own judgment. I think it helps to actually... Jake Tapper would have you believe that all the rest of the Republicans are wrong, and it's just Mitt Romney and Justin Amash who have the courage to be correct on this. ...of the president's behavior as laid out? Well, I think every individual has to make their own judgment. I think it helps to actually have read the entire uh, document. It's a long document. It took me two full days to get through it. I am not surprised it took Mitt Romney two full days to get through it. It was 400 pages, and... Any, anybody who reads at a fourth grade or a, a 12th grade level, a 14 year old, I'm trying to say, could have read that in an afternoon and recognized it for the bogus smear document that it was. 
There was no proof of any collusion. There was no proof of any obstruction. It was simply a document put together by Andrew Weissman under the tutelage and support of Robert Mueller in order to try to smear this president. It's, it's obvious on its face. Everything that they tried to sinisterly characterize as some sort of uh, obstruction of justice is, in fact, just the president exploring his options on how to deal with this hoax where the establishment in Washington appointed the mentor of James Comey to investigate whether or not the firing of James Comey constituted an obstruction of justice. Absolutely ridiculous and outrageous. It needs to be said over and over again. I know know you may be tired of hearing it from me, but I get, uh, I get frustrated because nobody points out the obvious fact with the possible exception of uh, Jeffrey Epstein on John Batchelor's show that the appointment of Robert Mueller was, uh, was illegitimate on its face and should have never been allowed to proceed. But back to this Romney clip. And the second volume is a more difficult one to get through than the first. So uh, hopefully more people read it. But I, I, I think there are a lot of people that want- Notice he, he assumes that the rest of us haven't read it. <laughs> I've read it. I, I believe most of his uh, colleagues in Congress have read it with the possible exception of the Democrats who really don't care what it has to say. They refuse to go down to the basement of the Congress and read the, uh, the redacted portions that have been offered to them to be unredacted because they're not interested in finding out the truth and neither is Mitt Romney. They just want to use this document as a, uh, a bludgeon to club the president over the head with. On a reserve judgment until uh, this is all played out. Uh, my own view is that uh, Justin Amash has reached a different conclusion than I have. Uh, I respect him. I think it's a courageous statement. Mitt Romney thinks it's a courageous statement by Justin Amash to call for the impeachment of the president of the United States. And of course, old Jake Tapper and all of the fake news media agree wholeheartedly with him. You notice that none of the Democrats have broken rank and stated the obvious that our law enforcement and intelligence agencies engaged in illegality in order to try to put their thumb on the scale in the 2016 presidential elections. An absolutely outrageous scandal, the, the biggest political scandal in American history. Not one Democrat has broken to uh, criticize, even lightly, what went on with John Brennan's CIA or James Comey's FBI. Not one. But of course, you've got the, this uh, particular breed of conservative Republican that can always be counted on to criticize his own party in order to get um, positive coverage out of the left-wing media. Pretty sickening. Jake Tapper never had any concerns at all that John Brennan sent spies into the presidential campaign of the opposing party. Never been done in the history of this country before. Eugene Robinson over there at the New York Times, who often appears on Joe Scarborough's show, no concern at all that they used uh, a fake dossier that 
has been thoroughly debunked at this point. To get a surveillance warrant against a member of the Trump campaign, which then allowed them to surveil everybody that he talked to, Carter Page. They're not concerned about the Fourth Amendment violations. They're not concerned about political corruption. They're not concerned about the hundreds and hundreds of unmaskings of Trump campaign officials. For them, the ends justify the means, and they are the ones that are the, the, uh, the guardians of virtue because we've got an agenda to pursue. We've got to, we've got to enact a, a climate change agenda and the Green New Deal. We've got to further the identity politics We've got to uh, implement socialist programs and whatever laws they have to do in order to break that, the left is perfectly willing to do. And these cucks in the Republican Party like Mitt Romney and Justin Amash, they're perfectly willing to dance to that tune if it'll get them on TV. Mm-mm-mm. We're going to run out to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's connections with China. And why aren't any of the Democrat opponents using that against him? We're also going to talk about this uh, this move with the SAT exam in order to uh, administer an adversity score in order to try to pursue their diversity agenda. We're going to be back after two commercials. Stick with us on Right Now with Jim Dawes. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. You can catch us on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, or Spotify. Or listen to us each weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern Time on the Mojo 5 Radio Network and on iHeart Affiliates. Well, yesterday a federal judge in Washington, D.C., Obama-appointed judge, Amit Metha, who is quite obviously a a political operative, not a an actual judge. He displayed his left wing zealotry uh, by agreeing with the House Oversight Committee, who has subpoenaed ten years worth of Donald Trump's financial records. Actually, subpoenaed his accounting firm for 10 years of Trump's financial records before he was president of the United States. It's an absolutely illegitimate subpoena. It has nothing to do with the normal operations of the oversight committee headed by the lunatic Elijah Cummings. But the, the, the way that this Judge Matha went about this, tells you everything you need to know about what he's really up to. First of all, he made this decision without having a trial, without hearing evidence, without conducting discovery. He fast-tracked this 
so that he could issue his 41-page ruling without hearing complete arguments or giving time for uh, Trump's side to prepare its case. And then, after he issued this order, he refused to uh, uh, stay the order in time, uh, to allow for the Trump team to appeal it. He wants this, uh, this information that they're after, Donald Trump's financial records, to be delivered to the Oversight Committee so they can leak it to the press without any review by other courts because he knows how defective his ruling is to begin with. No stay, no discovery, no trial. Just move right to the, the, um, the order and then deny the other uh, branches the ability to reverse this bogus ruling. And why would he be in such a rush to get this out there if this is really just about the Oversight Committee needing this information to, to determine whether or not it had a legislate uh, it required legislation? What's what's the huge rush? It's not about legislation. It's about the 2020 presidential campaign and Meta towing the left wing judicial line in order to try to, uh, to damage this administration. This Judge Meta just happens to be not only an, uh, an Obama appointee, but he also donated to their campaign. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the outrageous nature of his ruling whatsoever. A stay of a ruling, which was requested by the Trump team in this case, is almost automatic because the consequences of going ahead and and granting the subpoena are irreversible. Once you get that information out there, you can't put that genie back in a bottle. Once these records are turned over to the House Oversight Committee, they will quickly be leaked to the media in the most prejudicial manner possible against Donald Trump. And you'll probably have these House senators take to the floor to read the president's financial history on the floor of the uh, the U.S. House. This is an outrageous abuse of power. It is has nothing to do with the fitness of this president. It has nothing to do with his uh, his actions while in office, which are the the actual basis for any impeachment proceedings. This judge showed how biased he is and how willing he is to deny due process to the Trump campaign by denying a a stay that's almost automatic in these type of cases. So this is where the Democrats have taken us. This is where Trump derangement syndrome has taken us. Now we are using the House of Representatives and its committees. It's basically opposition research for the presidential campaign. This is third world type of um, behaviors. And you wonder if they've thought through exactly what kind of precedents are being established. 
because now that they've done it, Republican-led committees would be free to do the same thing. The Republicans never acted this outrageously in the Obama administration. Or the Senate, for that matter, could uh, could use the same precedent to start um, subpoenaing Joe Biden's and the Biden families and, and uh, Hunter Biden's dealings with China. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Why couldn't Mitch McConnell over there at the Senate subpoena Nancy Pelosi's tax returns and all of her financial records and those of her husband? She's become fabulously wealthy while she's been in the House of Representatives. Once you make personal tax returns fair game for political um, opposition research, all of those privacy protections are thrown out the window. So Trump's got about seven days, I think it is, rushing to the um, D.C. Court of Appeals to try to stop this uh, this order from going into effect. That is a normal uh, procedure. And we'll see if, uh, if once again they're able to just magically – Magically, out of nowhere, come up with one of these far left-wing lawyers to hear these cases. Wouldn't be surprised at all all if it was uh, Judge Berman Jackson, who has basically taken control somehow of all the prosecutions, the bogus prosecutions arising out of of Mueller's uh, witch hunt. We should never have allowed these left-wing judges to get on these benches, these these uh, orders that they're issuing out of the D.C. Court of Appeals and the Ninth Circuit Court out in San Francisco are so defective on their face as to be laughable, but they don't care. They're not concerned about their judicial reputation. That wasn't what they were put there for. They were put there to burrow into the judiciary so that they could subvert the law in order to uh, pursue these left-wing agendas. Well, the, uh, the SAT has, um, has decided that uh, they're tired of being you know, beat up on because uh, the scholastic aptitude test has real disparities in uh, the, the race of the people that take it. Asians score best, whites are next, Hispanics are next, and then blacks. And they've took, taken an endless amount of, of abuse for that. Because that is just a truth that'd be too awful to even consider in this uh, this politically correct world. But they've come up with a new um, tactic in order to try to engineer the diversity they seek, and that is they are going to implement a so-called adversity score that will take into account not how well you did on the test or how well you know the knowledge or how likely you are to be able to succeed at the university or college you're applying toward, they, they were going to look into whether or not you grew up in an area with high crime or whether or not you grew up in a single family household, whether or not there were a lot of free lunches at the high school you went to. And they're going to allow you to get in college based on that, which is basically setting people up for failure. Again, it's all designed to achieve the uh, diversity 
results that the Supreme Court, affirmative action results, I should say, that the Supreme Court has struck struck down in higher education. Nobody has the audacity to tell the truth about the results of the uh, SATs. But last night, actually it was a couple of nights ago, Heather McDonald appeared on Tucker Carlson's show and she, uh, she called it for exactly what it is. So the SAT was created to prevent exactly what the new SAT will ensure, which is a system where where you came from matters, right? Well, right. And I think what everybody needs to understand, Tucker, is all of this is driven by the seemingly intractable racial achievement gap. Everything about diversity in our culture is a surrogate uh, for that problem. If If we could close the racial achievement gap, and, and the way to do that is by changing culture, uh, the whole discourse about diversity would go up in a puff of smoke overnight, and we'd never hear about this pseudo-scientific concept again. Uh, the idea that it's privilege that drives SAT scores and academic success generally, as opposed to hard work uh, persistence and self-discipline is completely ludicrous. We see every year in New York City uh, that Asian kids from poor immigrant backgrounds whoop everybody's ass regardless of their income levels because their families, their Did Heather McDonald just say whoop everybody's ass? <laughs> the Manhattan Institute um, fellow telling it like it is, they're whooping ass, not kicking ass, they're whooping ass. Back to this clip. Or immigrant backgrounds whoop everybody's ass, regardless of their income levels, because their families, their parents are so relentlessly focused on their students' academic involvement. Uh, that is what is necessary to close the academic achievement gap. And until you get rid of the acting white syndrome that stigmatizes academic achievement on the part of black students, unless we get rid of the preferences that black students know about, that sends the message that they don't need to work as hard in order to get admitted to highly selective schools over their non-student of color peers with better scores, uh, we're not going to close that academic achievement gap and we're going to be saddled with this scourge of diversity, which is simply a way to dismantle precisely the colorblind meritocratic standards that are a key to any society's success. Again, all of this, all of this is driven by the fact that there's a standard deviation of difference in, in SAT scores between blacks and whites, a difference that is not determined by, by uh, a family income. In fact, according to the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education, whites from households where, that make $10,000 or less, on average, score better than black students on the SAT who come from households making eighty to $100,000. So again, Tucker, this is all about culture. And for the, S for the college board to be getting behind the idea that it's about white privilege is completely fallacious and, and a tragic disservice to the country. Well, I got to say, 
I've got mixed feelings about this adversity score because if it is administered fairly, it could, in fact, offer advantages to uh, some high-scoring um, applicants that overcame a, a lot of adversity in their life. And, uh, and you might start seeing some of these, uh, these kids out of Appalachia and, uh, and working-class backgrounds um, in rural areas um, show up and change the character of some of these um, these high-end universities. They've the, been the ones that have been hammered because they've been the ones to be disadvantaged by having to compete against uh, minority students, blacks in particular, that have attended high-end prep schools whose parents are, you know, um, wealthy, but have been admitted because they, uh, they, you know, were given um, uh, the uh, the elite universities are so desperate to achieve their diversity quotas that they've disadvantaged um, poor performing uh, working class kids that scored better on these exams. But the problem with all this is it's the results of this so-called adversity score. It's a hundred points. You start with 50, and if you're advantaged, or they, they try to say privileged because your parents stayed together and worked hard, then you lose points. You drop below 50. But if your parents didn't uh, uh, decide to get married or to um, you know, try to make sure that you uh, were able to attend a good school, then you will get extra points. All that will be kept a secret, though. And they're basically saying you've got to trust us to, to administer this fairly. It's a black box, and it's the ideal vehicle for them to engineer the racial results that they're trying to achieve. And, of course, just like you saw in the um, varsity blues scandal where these rich um, – People were buying their way into high-profile universities. You will find uh, consultants come forward that will learn how to game the system. They'll supply fake addresses. They'll manipulate their income. They'll, cl- they'll claim, you know, um, that they, uh, they weren't married. And all of this is because of the perverse incentives that this is awarding now. In other words, they're punishing so-called bourgeois values, staying together, raising your family, trying to get into a good neighborhood and provide a good education to your kids. They're going to punish that now because these are this is a zero-sum game. The amount of slots available in these, uh, these upscale universities, I'm not even convinced that uh, there's that much value in going to them except for You'll notice that uh, an inordinate number of our nation's leaders are from Yale and Harvard. But as far as making a good living and having a good life, I don't. I, I, I'm not convinced that there the uh, an Ivy League education is that value. But um, if it was consi- uh, administered transparently so that we could see whether or not they were manipulating the results or they were actually using it to, uh, to give advantages to disadvantaged kids, you would start to see a lot of really smart 
kids come out of Appalachia and rural America that would uh, be allowed to compete because uh, it would uh, it would undermine the actual diversity uh, agenda that is being uh, used to exclude them now. I think it ought to just be based on achievement. Uh, people who start off in uh, disadvantaged circumstances have every opportunity to try to overcome those circumstances. And it's been shown again and again that people are able to do that. But uh, they're not going to—they're not going to allow um, anything uh, like uh, hard work and. Uh, commitment to your children's education to uh, get in the way of their their left-wing agenda. Well, it's becoming pretty clear now uh, that the Biden campaign is not going to allow anybody to ask any relevant questions that uh, may bring to light the fact that in Biden's uh, eight years as vice president, when he believed that that would be his last political office, he basically used his power and influence in that office in order to sell out the interests of the American people and rake in um, huge income for his family. And uh, more and more, uh, as Biden achieves front-runner status and is, at this point, uh, basically the odds-on favorite to be the uh, nominee for the Democrats, People on the Republican side, including the President of the United States, are starting to question what exactly was going on when Hunter Biden, who was discharged from the U.S. Navy for cocaine abuse, was doing on Air Force Two during Joe Biden's state visit to China, and how in the world did he leave China, Hunter Biden, with $1.5 billion in investments in a uh, hedge fund to which Hunter Biden was totally unqualified to be running. $1.5 billion. That's, that's a lot of money. And then he turned right around and did the same thing in the Ukraine. He's trading just like, uh, just like John Kerry's son. They were in business together. He's trading on the family name in order to do business with communist China. And we're supposed to be concerned about a foreign influence over Donald Trump. You'll, you'll see that the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all of the left-wing talking heads have no interest in this whatsoever. But Biden was on uh, with Trish Regan on Fox Biz, and this is what he had to say about it. Number one, he's got to prove first he's not compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. In 2013, and, and President Trump, uh, on last night on Fox, on Steve Hilton's show, asked for this. It was picked up in the New York Times today. He's now calling for this off of Peter Schweitzer's investigation. Schweitzer's the same team of this organization I used to oversee years ago that did Clinton cash, that drilled down on the corruption, the corruption of the Clinton apparatus. They did the same thing on Joe Biden. And what they found out in 2013, his son, Hunter, who was totally unqualified, went on a trip with him to, to China and then afterwards stuck around in the Bank of China, which, unlike any other central bank in the G20, reports is not independent, like, not like the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England. It reports to the government. They gave uh, this kid. One- it doesn't just report to the government. It is the government, the uh, 
the Chinese bank is the communist uh, dictatorship in China's bank. And they rewarded Joe Biden's son, Hunter, a billion and a half dollars for his hedge fund with absolutely no qualifications to carry that forward after Joe Biden made a state visit over there. What exactly did Joe Biden promise them? Obviously, the Obama administration with Joe Biden as president took no action to try to address the huge trade deficits that America was suffering at the hands of China. Could that have some, had something to do with it? And like, like the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England, it reports to the government. They gave uh, this kid $1 billion and then upped it to a billion five. Somebody who totally unqualified to run a private equity or venture capital fund or a hedge fund gave him $1.5 billion to invest. And it turns out he's invested some of that, I believe, in surveillance companies, some of these companies that oppress the Chinese people, the hardworking Chinese people that have been enslaved by the Chinese Communist Party. Joe Biden is hiding from this. He will not come forward. President Trump called him out last night personally on the Steve Hilton show. I think it's very important. We have to understand that Joe Biden and his family have not been compromised. This is why this thing has gone on for so long. The Chinese are great at influence peddling. And we have to understand if Joe Biden's skirts are clean on this. He's got to come forward. We've got to know how much wealth his family's created off of this. We have to know why he took a billion and a half dollars from an oppressive uh, government and what they did with it. And, 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 and number two, as he said the other day, well, they're not even a strategic competitor. Come on, man. He's got to he's got to convince yeah. the American people he's serious about this. Well, that's, that's this is the greatest geos- geostrategic uh, enemy we've ever had. You know, when Joe Biden went on uh, that campaign stop and, and told everybody that uh, we don't need to worry about China. Come on, man. They're not a competitor to us. I think he was sending a signal to the Chinese. Uh, you, you sit on all that information that you've gotten about me because, um, you know, I'm the odds on favorite. And if I get in there, we'll continue to do business the way we used to, which is transferring the prosperity from the United States to China so that they can use it to build up their military to challenge us and all the while oppressing their own people. All of this sort of puts you in mind of the, uh, uh, the Bill Clinton administration with all this, this talk of Russia allegedly interference in, interfering in U.S. elections. It wasn't that long ago that Bill Clinton, the previous, a previous Democrat, betrayed America and delivered missile technology to the communists in China. When Bill Clinton was president, he essentially wiped out our strategic advantage by selling U.S. missile technology to our enemies, the People's Republic of China. His administration voluntarily released all of the secrets of America's nuclear tests combined with, our, uh, with a systematic theft of the secrets that were uh, left as a result of Bill Clinton's lax security controls. And unlike the administrations that preceded it, the Clinton administration accepted millions of dollars from the military and intelligence services of communist China. You might remember the names Charlie Tree or Johnny Chung. 
all through illegal campaign contributions from a totalitarian communist dictatorship. In return, Bill Clinton lifted security controls, allowing thieves to access our vital military technology while disarming the United States and opposing missile defense. One of the key technological breaks that China received without even having to spy to get it was they allowed the delivery of huge supercomputers that were once banned from export for security reasons. These supercomputers underpinned the U.S. nuclear and missile warfare technology and were used by the communist Chinese to simulate nuclear tests at a critical development in their, um, their program. David Horowitz writes, this transfer was authorized three years after the spy thefts were detected. What rationale, besides stupidity or greed or some other indefensible motive, could justify this? What responsible president or administration at any relevant level in government would allow the massive transfer of national security assets like these to a dictatorship who knew who they knew had stolen the country's most highly guarded military secrets. Back then, Terry McAuliffe, the former bagman for the Clintons and president and uh, and uh, governor of Virginia, set records raising money for the Clintons, and it was unearthed that an elaborate communist Chinese money laundering theme was funneling money to guarantee Bill Clinton's re-election. Media has no interest in this whatsoever. Actual collusion, actual conspiracy in order to sell out the United States' interests to protect the nation. And we'll just have to see whether or not they show a similar disinterest and seeing whether Joe Biden did exactly the same thing when he was president of the, or vice president of the United States. That takes us to the end of this edition of America for, uh, of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.